Hello, everyone. I'm Christina Roberts Enneking, and I am here to welcome you to the Real Eyes Realize podcast. This is a platform where we feature everyday people making ripple effects, actualizing love in their families, communities, and the world at large. Real Eyes Realize is a show where life and service dance together. For all of our podcast listeners, we invite you to sit back or take us with you on your walk or drive or however you enjoy your podcast. But listen deeply. We are here with our guests, here to listen to the sparks that have inspired action and heart-centered service and highlight ways in which we can also be motivated and inspired to create the positive ripple effects in our world. We're prepared to get real as well, authentic, courageous, and vulnerable through truth-telling and in that relating with one another to the things that matter most. So thank you for being here and enjoy this special treat, our next episode, just for you. So we are going to begin our Real Eyes, Real Eyes podcast with this beautiful guest today, Miss Risa Babic. And I'm just going to read a short little bio, and then we're going to just get right into this. Uh, so Risa is a single mother. She's working full time, and she's living with cancer. When she's not working, she's spending time with her beautiful 14-year-old son when he isn't playing video games. And he is certainly her lifesaver. And we'll hear more about that in our podcast. She loves watching him play soccer or football. Risa is an active volunteer with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, supporting those diagnosed with cancer and helping them understand that there is hope. Work-life balance is very important to ensuring that she is available for her son while still succeeding at work. Too many, too many people live to work and not enough of us enjoy what we have while we're here. And Risa is a beautiful, beautiful lantern that reminds us of that spark. So I am just so grateful, Risa, that you are here with us on this Realize, Realize podcast. And I just want to offer up an invitation for you to tell us a bit more about your story, your journey, where you were born, how you started to come into this world and where things are for you here and now. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for asking me to be on. I mean, I'm completely honored, honored beyond belief. Um, gosh, born in Houston, Texas, um, have two older brothers, you know, was raised by an amazing mom and dad. Um, unfortunately my mom passed away two years ago, March 5th will be two years, um, from Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, and grew up in Southern California and Hermosa beach, um, spent the majority of my life there. It's not what it is today, but it was a great place to grow up. Um, loved it. Um, you know, doors always open, walking barefoot in and out of neighbors' houses, you know, three blocks away from the beach, spending the summers at the beach. It was lovely. Mm. Um, you know, I came up to Northern California because my brother and his wife were pregnant with their first child and I wanted to be an integral part of her life. And so I was living in Southern California at the time and I moved up here May 1st and she was born May 10th. And that is now 22 years ago. Wow. So yeah, she's now going to be graduating from college, um, from Chapman this summer. And, you know, I couldn't be more proud of the, the woman that she is and, you know, just being here. And so that's where, you know, how I got to the Bay area, um, and then met my now ex-husband, um, and had my son, what, September, 2007 mm. and diagnosed with cancer the day after he was born. 
Um, you know, we knew that there was something growing, some kind of something on my liver. We didn't know what it was. They didn't think really anything of it. They saw that it was growing during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And, um, so they induced me three weeks early because they didn't want the tumors to burst during pregnancy, during delivery. So, you know, he was a healthy seven pound, four ounce baby boy, 21 inches long, um, as the big football player that he is now and soccer player, he came out very healthy and strong. Oh, he did. He did. And hasn't stopped growing since. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, woke up, you know, the next morning after, um, being, you know, having the biopsy done and my brother is there, my aunt is there. And I'm thinking, why is my brother here? My brother never takes time off work. It's very, very strange. So for him to be there, I knew something wasn't right. Um, so he came over and said, you know, they did the biopsy and Risa, I'm sorry, but it's malignant. I'm mm. like, it's what? I just had a baby. How is that possible? So I ended up crying, falling back asleep, you know, waking up, I don't know, hours later. And um, yeah, just having to deal with it. I remember telling my, you know, my then husband, God forbid something happened to me, go off, find a woman who will take care of Iden the way that I would. Um, but, you know, go and be happy. But obviously that, you know, I'm still here, you know, 15, <laughs> almost 15 years later, um, 14 and a half years later. Um, yeah. I mean, been through a lot with surgeries and chemo and yeah. Um, so yeah. what an interesting moment to hold the excitement and the love of bringing this new child into this world and all of the euphoria. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, receiving a diagnosis that feels potentially like a life threat, a life sentence. Um, so how do you hold those two dichotomies, those paradoxes, if you will, how do you hold both to be true and then also find your way in moving forward? You know, I think at that point in time, I was so overwhelmed with hold on a second. I just had a child and I have cancer. So I have to do everything in my power to fight because I want to be here to watch this kid grow up. Mm -hmm. So I think I didn't really get to enjoy, you know, the newborn, all those kinds of things. Cause I was so worried about, okay, what's next. We need to figure out what kind of cancer it is. Cause they had no idea. It wasn't known at that point in time. It was an unknown primary metastatic to my liver. So they had no idea what type of cancer it was at that point in time. Mm. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I went through five weeks of testing, you know, having an upper endoscopy, lower endoscopy, colonoscopy, you know, every single orifice probed and prodded in my body to try and figure out what kind it was. And they didn't know. And finally at five weeks, I said, after he was born, I said, I just need to start something just get me on something. I need to start this fight. Um, so it was, it was hard. It was very hard, but my focus was making sure I stayed strong and stayed alive because I wanted more than anything in the to be a mom, you know, mm -hmm. growing up, my dream was to have two boys. Um, you know, I got my one, I'm good. Um, so beautiful and strong. Yeah. So when you talk about Aiden, your son, as being your lifesaver, yep. um, can you expand upon that a little bit more? I think you just talked about it, but also how does that come through for you each and every day of your life now that he's 14 going on 15? 
Yeah. So the cancer grew during pregnancy. So it was the growth hormones from pregnancy that made the, the cancer grow as quickly as it did. Um, so without being pregnant with him, they would have never known that I had cancer and therefore it could have been too late. So mm-hmm. that's how I look at it, that he saved my life. So, you know, I owe it to him, <clears throat> you know, to keep fighting. Yeah. That's amazing. So what is the, what cancer, what is the diagnosis yep. now? Like, what is it that you are fighting and struggling and thriving through? Yeah. So today it is stage four neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer. So a lot of people think of Patrick Swayze and Farrah Fawcett and Steve Jobs. Um, and his name slips me right now. The gentleman from Little House on the Prairie, um, you know, all had pancreatic cancer. So why do I get to be the one that is living and thriving? There's two different types of cancer, of pancreatic cancer. You know, you've got the, the bad kind and the good kind. Mine, fortunately, is the good kind, which the tumor is kind of encapsulated within itself. So if you think about a tree with roots, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's kind of spreading everywhere. That's the bad kind that, you know, unfortunately, these other people had. And, you know, I have the good kind that, you know, is just in these small little tumors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is on my liver. I've got probably, I think four or five small tumors, nothing greater than one centimeter at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, with the different surgeries and treatments that I've had over time and currently going through chemotherapy once a month, um, you know, I go in every four weeks for my Lanreotide injection mm-hmm. takes me longer to drive to Stanford than it does, you know, to sit there and wait the 20 seconds while they, you know, stick the needle in my backside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because you and I know each other because both of our sons play on the same soccer team. And um, this is the thing we said that I just love about you is you're, you go about your life. You are like, okay, I'm working full time. I'm following my son to his games. I am exercising. I'm out with girlfriends. Um, but this cancer has not stopped you from living. In fact, maybe it's been a catalyst for even living more. Uh, Can you talk about how this cancer actually maybe has redefined how you look at how you live your life? Absolutely. So, you know, I never want it to be a death sentence. Um, And it's one of those things where, okay, I have to, I take everything with, I, I look at the negative and try and change it into a positive. And so, yes, you know what? I have cancer. People can think that, you know, yes, that's a death sentence. Oh, you know, I feel so sorry for you. Don't, don't feel sorry for me because it has allowed me and enabled me to live the life that I do. It gives me a different perspective on things. You know, people, you have, you know, glasses and you have your blue light glasses and you see things differently. Well, so do I. And I live my life differently. Um, So, you know, I'm going to do what I can and I'm not going to worry about the little things that stress people out and road rage. And you know what? I don't know. Something's not done right. Okay. But are you here? Are you living? And, you know, I remind my father all the time, he gets upset about, I don't know, something right. 85 years old. There's always something, but you know what? Did anyone die? You know, just continue to to thrive and live. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you are um, looking at you know, the inspiration that you are for your son and the inspiration that he then is for other friends. I mean, like I see your way of living very much how Aiden also is. Um, So can you talk a little bit about your sweetheart and uh, how you see him growing up in the world? You know, I just want him to be the best version of himself that he can be. 
Um, you know, I think we always want for our children more than what we had. And I think, you know, my parents provided so much for us that it's hard um, to think of, you know, how can that be any better? But, you know, raising him as a single mother, um, you know, it's I'm with him 24 seven, 365. And so, you know, I want him to I want him to thrive in the world. I want him to be the best version of himself and just be a good person um, and do what he loves. Always do what he loves to do and what he's passionate about. And yeah. so if that means playing soccer and following your dreams, go play soccer, you know? Great. And he is, he just, that he lives by that. And I just see the tenderness that he also has towards you and towards others. Uh, he seems to be that kid that just has a high degree of empathy and compassion and like just tapped into people. And I think that's very much a tribute to you and how you've raised him. Um, so tell us more about, so you are a single mom now, your ex-husband lives in another country. Yes. Um, and so it's not as if you haven't seen struggle, not only from the cancer, but just mm-hmm. all of it. So there's this wonderful quote, that oftentimes uh, we talk about with some of our guests is that, um, you know, this whole thought that struggle is where the magic happens. And so I'm curious what that quote says to you, or just if you can talk about some of the things that have been quote unquote struggles, but how you've learned how to move past them. Yeah. You know, and when I hear that, right. um, About struggle, the first thing I say to myself is, you know what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so, you know, going through what I've been through, you know, what cancer didn't kill me, divorce didn't kill me, being a single mother doesn't kill me, working full time in the valley doesn't kill me. You know what? I'm freaking super one, you know, at this point, you know, I mean, let's, you know, turn around in circles and here I am, you know, bam, bam. Um, I guess that would be Wonder Woman. Um, I don't know my characters, um, but, you know, it's, it, it's, you have to just keep fighting. You know, it's yes. Divorce was not easy. Um, You know, my ex-husband and I are friends. We, you know, have conversations about our son and what's going on in our lives. And, you know, I think that's important. You know, it's, it's always a challenge. Yes. Um, But, you know, I do what I can for my son. I don't know if that's answering your question right away. Yeah, absolutely. um, Well, the magic, I think, piece of it too, the silver linings that can come about, right? Even in the midst of what we might label as struggle. Um, So when you think about, you talked about your outlook in life, right? Um, But let's also, you know, be real. It's not as if there aren't times that you're going to feel impacted by life, right? So absolutely. Right. Yeah. So what are the, either the things that you do or the people that you lean on when you need a boost? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's recently I was having one of those moments, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, what is going on, especially with COVID and the pandemic and trying to stay healthy and being, you know, being able to avoid having COVID, um, Mm -hmm. you know, these last two years, it's, you know, I'm just tired of it. I'm exhausted. How do I, how do I continue to stay positive and stay motivated? And, you know, work is stressful and everything else that every single one of us in the Valley are, are dealing with. It's, you know, nobody is immune to it at this point. Um, you know, I have an amazing group of friends, you know, through my son, through soccer, like yourself, right through his school. Somebody told me at one point, you meet your best friends through your kid. 
And I thought, oh, you know, that's that. How is that possible? But you know what? My closest friends to me, my near and dear friends are my son's preschool mom friends or, you know, his elementary school mom friends and, you know, his soccer mom friends. And so I never feel alone and I don't have a problem asking for help. If anybody who knows me knows that I don't have a problem um, reaching out. And that's something that actually cancer taught me was it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's so many of us who struggle with being strong and, you know, being I'm stubborn, um, you know, the Capricorn that I am, we are, we are. Um, you we know, can relate. we've had many uh, talks about, Oh man, it's a good trait. And sometimes yeah. stubbornness, but you know, you have to ask for help when you really, really need it. And, you know, that is something that cancer has taught me, but what do I do? I make sure that I get exercise in and I make sure that I eat healthy and I make sure that I have my outlet and I can go and talk to somebody, you know, I'll talk to, you know, my dad, my brothers, my sister-in-law, my, my girlfriends, you know, my boyfriend, um, you know, whoever's available. It's, (laughs) and there's always somebody there. People are always willing to listen, you know, and what you realize is you're not the only one. Yeah. You're not the only one, what you're going through. Somebody else is probably also going through, but they just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It almost gives permission for others to also be very vulnerable and real and say, Oh, like, it's so great to hear you say that here's what's going on for me. And there's this, this, a deeper connection, right. Mm -hmm. At kind of at a deeper heart level. Yeah. Incredible. I know when we were talking earlier in our intake call, um, oftentimes what we'll do is provide gifts to our listeners, you know, little resources. And uh, we were talking about one of the neuroscientists that I had talked with and worked with. And he said, you know, there's five S's to keep in mind. And I think what I just heard you say were kind of a combination of some of them. This is for us to, to stay and remain at our best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, one S is going out and just getting in the sun. There's something about being outside in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, another S is knowing the practices that soothe you. You know, maybe it's a call to dad. Maybe it's a beautiful walk. Maybe it's yoga or meditation. The other one is like you said, sweat, getting some exercise, getting the cortisol mm-hmm. out of our body. And then also knowing that um, sleep is important, getting good sleep. And then the last one, and I think it's something that you do so well and probably not even meaningfully or meaning to it is service. Like, how are you out in the world? And how are you, how is your kindness and your generosity something that is contagious? Um, so I wanted to thank you for being that person. You really are incredible. Oh, thank incredible. you. Yeah. So is there anything that the neuroscience scientists didn't get, didn't, didn't, didn't get anything else that you can think of that's really oh. important? No, nothing. That's not, you know, no, I can't think of anything. Yeah. I mean, I have my vices, right? I mean, glass of wine doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> You know, you got to have your release. I don't know if it's not wine, then, you know, I'm going to sleep or exercise until, you know, I'm exhausted. <laughs> exactly. But it's fine. I'm, what I'm hearing is that it gives your mind a focus that is maybe not on the thing that might pull you down or pull you back. It's and positive- it's amazing when I am stressed and I say, you know what, I'm just going to go and take a walk and I go outside and I'm walking for 15 minutes and that's it. And maybe I'll put on some tunes and maybe I won't, but it's amazing how much the fresh air and the sunshine and just getting your body moving changes your mood. Yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. 
So um, we'll put that together, I think, as our resource guide from you um, is just some of these tips and tricks. I think it's really incredible. Um, so when you step back then, giving that sense of perspective, like you're out on a nice little walk under the sun, what are your hopes, Risa? What are your hopes and dreams? Oh, God, that my son grows up to be a good human being. Um, and I'm able to live long enough to see him grow up. You know, that's really, I mean, it's simple. Um, you know, I'm a simpleton. I, I want to watch him grow up. I want to be here and be a part of his life, um, you know, and be that role model for him. You know, I, I asked him at one point, I said, you know what, when you think of your mom having cancer, um, what do you think about? No, I don't. I don't see it. Cause you don't look like it. Okay. You don't act like it either, mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he sees me that way. That's cool. But I just want to, I want to be there for him. Yeah, of course. When you see, when you mentioned, you know, COVID and, and everything going on in our communities and of course being immune compromised with cancer, it is very important, right. To stay healthy. Um, what do you also see outside of your family, like for the community, even the country or the world at large, what hopes or dreams you might have uh, as we maybe focus on how we live? Um, I just want everyone to be nice, um, yeah. be kind. Um, you know, negativity is wasted energy. We don't need it. It's, it's not necessary. Um, you know, so many people are just mean. And what's, what's the point? Um, just be nice. I mean, I have a girlfriend of mine who, when she does this and posts this, it just, it warms my heart and it makes me realize, oh, I need to do more of this. You know, she'll be in line at a fast food restaurant and she'll, you know, pay it forward and buy the people behind her, you know, whatever it is that they bought and just for no reason. Yeah. And it's like, I need to do more of that. That's just being kind, just paying it forward. And I think that if everyone was just you know, put on a smile, make, be happy, make someone else's day. Just, yeah. The world would be a better place. It's easier said than done because not everybody has that frame of mind and mentality, but um, it would be great if we could. Yeah. And I think people just get so caught up in, you know, work and success and, you know, what's the next thing I'm, I'm going to get in life. Okay. I just want to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. There's something I think so brilliant about the simple, like you said, the simpleton aspect of what's really important in life. Is it all of the external things that I'm striving for, or is it what is really inside, which is my health, my well-being, the connections with the people that I care about deeply. And that really, when you boil it down, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do. Yeah. It's, you know, there's so many, there's so many self-help books and they talk about all these things and, you know, it's nothing that I don't think that anybody doesn't already know. It's that common sense, but it's that good reminder about be a good person, do a good deed, you know, be mindful of others around you. Yeah. So, so, so important. You know, I think the random acts of kindness is a really beautiful and brilliant way to kind of know that that's an action that we can do for being able to be, you know, in that, how do we demonstrate kindness? You know, it's one thing to be kind. And I think that's really important and a smile. You know, I remember that when my dad was sick um, and when I was driving to, or it was even away from the hospital and every now and again, I would go back to the hospital and he'd already passed on. And 
just remember that there are a lot of people in there that are by the bedside of people they love, that they may be also saying goodbye. And it was like, how do you just have compassion in your heart? Because everybody's going through something different. It could be to that extent, or it could be something to a lesser degree, or maybe even a huge celebratory moment. And how do we just really be in that mode of kindness, mm-hmm. support, compassion? Oh, yeah. And you know what? To that point, you never know what somebody has going on. You never know what someone has going on at all. I mean, somebody could look, I mean, like people look at me and think, you know, well, you don't look like a cancer patient. Well, what does a cancer patient look like? You know, because I have hair, because I'm not ashen and because I'm not tired and, you know, overly skinny, that means I can't have cancer because I don't look like it. So you never know what has somebody, what somebody has going on. So, you know, don't be so judgmental. Right. I mean, you know, if you have to send a message to somebody, don't be so judgmental, be kind. Yeah. You know, we all have stuff, every single one of us, you know, sometimes people may not want to admit it, but we all have stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Just so beautiful. And I think too, um, when you, then we talked about what are you most, your hopes and dreams? Um, is there anything out there that you fear or anything that feels like, a doubt that you're like, you know, I just, I want to put that to the side. Like that's not going to own me. Cancer is not going to own me. Um, you know, from the day I had it, one of the first, um, fundraisers I did with my family is we did a, it was for the Livestrong foundation. And, you know, my brother came out from New York, my dad came and they did a hundred miles on their bike. I think my dad ended up doing 50. I walked five kilometers, which I'm good. Um, but one of the things that I said was I have cancer. It will never have me. Mm. And so, and that, that was, uh, I wrote that on the back of my little bib and they took a picture of it and they posted it in the magazine. And so it's one of those things where it's like, that's my motto. I have it, but it will not have me. It will never own me because I have to, you know, continue to live my life. Yeah. What do I fear? I have the fear of dying, right? Um, I have the fear of not watching my son grow up, you know, not being around for him. And those, you know, these are the formidable years, the years that, you know, he needs, you know, to have his parent around. Um, But I can't live in fear. It's not going to do me any good at all. You live in fear, you get stressed. Stress creates cortisol, cortisol side to cancer. Oh, wait, I already have that. We don't need any of that. Mm, amazing. What I'm, what I'm recognizing is that you can name, right? You're human. And of course, there are going to be things that are going to pop up that you're like, yeah, I wish this weren't so. And yet this ability to have a conscious choice that says, you're not going to own me. Mm-mm. And to do what you feel is the way to live your life in a very positive and kind and strong way. It's incredible, Risa. See what I mean? I'm what an inspiration you are. And I know you don't even consider yourself one. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. You know, I think that anybody in my shoes would do the exact same thing. Um, you know, my, my boyfriend had a stroke a year ago and he says, you know, you're the one who provides me strength. You give me the strength to keep going. You know, I look at you and I think everything that you've been through, you know, Oh, he, I, it's like, no, you know, I'm not, I don't see myself as, as that person. I think that anybody in my shoes, having given birth to a child, then getting diagnosed with cancer, it's like, you're going to do the exact same thing. Yeah. 
I think you don't see it. And I think that's part of the beauty of you is that you are a very humble and a very real and authentic individual going through life and talking about what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, all of it, having a glass of wine, like what have you. And at the same time, others around you see it. So thank you. Thank you for how you show up in this world. It's really powerful. Yeah. So I'm curious as we kind of draw towards um, some of our collective questions, are there any other like words of wisdom, um, thoughts that come to mind uh, that we haven't already reviewed that just is like, yeah, these are little Risa-isms, oh, ways God. that you choose to live your life. A Risa-ism, <laughs> um, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I mean, that's kind of what I live by. Um, you know, I don't, I can't, that's really, that's my motto. You know, I have cancer. It doesn't have me. I mean, I've said that so many times before, Mm. um, you know, just have to, one thing that I've really tried to focus on these last few years, especially, you know, during COVID is you just have to live in the moment, just Mm. be present. Um, you know, something that my niece used to always say, you know, with everybody sitting around at the table is just be present. And so I try and live in the present. I try and live in the now, um, versus focusing on what happened yesterday. We can't change it. Um, you know, worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. That's not going to change it. Um, so just living in the now and do what we can. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's awesome. Love that. And I think when we are there, there's so much joy. There's so much joy in the now we're not, uh, kind of regurgitating what's happened in the past and bringing that up as if it's still around and with us or rehearsing for the future, a future that we, nobody knows what's going to happen in a moment. It could be different. Uh-huh. Beautiful, beautiful way to be. So before, again, just kind of one more question. So you, how can our listeners support you? I know you mentioned being a very active volunteer with the Pancreatic Cancer. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. What is that about? What does it do? And how might our listeners support you and that cause? It's an organization based in Southern California, and they provide a lot of resources to cancer um, survivors, their caregivers, Um, on resources just in their general area about how can they get help, what um, studies are out there that somebody who has cancer might want to look into. Um, And providing what I do is I have my story out there on the website. And so if somebody says, okay, I'm, you know, was diagnosed at 36 years old and I want to speak to somebody who is in my same demographic, who can I speak to? And so, you know, that my story is out there and there's hundreds of other people who have their story out there as well, who are willing to help and willing to talk to people and, um, you know, go look at, go support the organization, you know, however you wish, you know, they have walks once a year or actually in this area, they have it once a year. Um, and so some girlfriends of mine and I, um, hopefully do that again this year. So we'll see, Um, but just support the organization, you know, do what you can think about people with pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I just want to say, thank you. I know that we, uh, my husband's really amazing, um, amazing, amazing cousin who was almost like a brother to him. Um, When he got diagnosed, you were really a wonderful support to our family and offering your love and kindness for going through the journey. And um, it's just, 
appreciate that. So thank you. Oh, yeah. I think the hardest part when you're first diagnosed is you don't know. Nobody gives you a handbook. Nobody says, oh, here, you know what? Welcome to cancer diagnosis. Here's your handbook. And this is where you need to do because everybody's journey is completely different. Yeah. Um, and it was difficult for us when going through when I was diagnosed and understanding where to go. How do you find the right oncologist for you? How do you find the right resources for you? How do you know, you know, what studies are out there? What's going to help you? Nobody tells you those things. Nobody tells you that you have options. You know, you're in the hospital and you're about to die. Nobody to what resources are out there for you. And so with my experience, hopefully I can provide those resources to people going through the same thing or something similar. Mm, that's great. Thank you. And so I just, before we go into our collective questions, um, you have a whole team, a staff of individuals that have been by your side, um, as well as family members. Is there anything that you would care to share or let them know um, about your gratitude and your grace for all of the individuals that show up for you? Uh, like the professionals, my, my oncologists and my doctors. Sure. Oh, uh, gosh. Um, you know, there's one doctor in particular who is not, unfortunately, my doctor anymore because she moved um, to the East Coast. But, you know, Dr. Pamela Coons, um, she was at Stanford. She's now at Yale. Uh, that woman, I, I think she really helped provide me with the lifestyle that I do today because she has small children and she understands she's in my demographic, you know, mm -hmm. roughly about my age, small kids. And so what treatment can we give Risa that's going to allow her to live the life that she does? Because there's definitely more aggressive treatments out there. Um, but she cared about me. She cared about, you know, my lifestyle. And so, you know, I think her, I think my surgeon, you know, yeah. who, cut my liver, you know, twice and provided me, you know, the ability to live the life that I do today and not do a Whipple when he possibly could. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, yeah, you know, it's Wonderful. my family, my friends, you know, I, yeah, every, I, there's too many to name really. No, no, I just want too many to name. I guess. <laughs> exactly. But that's just, they the know who they are. They know who they are. All, yeah. All of those individuals. It's just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Cause you know, we all need boosts. We all need support. We all need to know that, you know, as you are part of an action network, you also have an active network that is around you. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, I know I, you, you know what, that. when I need the help, my friends show up, they're there without question. You know, sometimes I don't need to, I don't even ask. And it's literally on my doorstep. Um, they know who they are and, you know, I love them for it and I'm extremely grateful. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, so how we end the podcast is just a set of collective questions that we often ask each of our guests. And it's just for you to be spontaneous off the hip. First thing that comes to your mind. So are you ready? Oh, bring it. Okay. First question. What are you currently reading or watching? I wish I could answer that. <laughs> I, I have so many books on my nightstand um, that I haven't started yet. So I'm not, I'm unfortunately not. And okay. I, I have my, my silly shows that I watch. So yeah. What's your favorite silly show out of curiosity? It's a Chicago, like Chicago med, Chicago fire, Chicago PD. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Something you and your son can enjoy together too, right? 
he doesn't watch them with me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's doing no. his video games. <laughs> he, you know what? He would kill me um, if I, if he knew that I was saying this, but he likes watching The Bachelor with me. <laughs> that's the best connection time <laughs> guilty pleasure guilty pleasure well he's also in that phase of relationship new relationship how to be so maybe oh, he, some he, lessons well there. he knows what woman not to pick he's like mom they are so catty that is so ridiculous <laughs> i love it so if you could eat dinner and engage in dialogue with anyone past or present who would it be my mother yeah want to tell us a little bit about her Oh God. Um, the most amazing woman that you'll ever meet. Mm. Um, she, sorry, I'm <laughs> bringing up lots of emotions. Um, you know, she was taken way too soon. She was 79, still had so much life to give, but you know, unfortunately Alzheimer's and dementia really got the best of her. Um, you know, she was there for me literally when my son was born and she lived with me for, you know, pretty much nine months while I was going through treatment mm -hmm. and helping, you know, my ex-husband and I, um, get through every day. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would love to have one more conversation with her, you know, mm -hmm. one more dinner with her, one more, you know, listening to her laugh. Yeah. So very, very mm -hmm. contagious. Yeah. Contagious. Mother, Anyone mother. that knew her knows her laugh. You know, you get my brother and her in a room and he starts going and she starts going. <laughs> and it doesn't stop. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. What a great teacher she is for you and for your family and really for all of us. Um, so when you find, um, um, and you might have answered some of this even in the podcast, but what are the practices that you might do or say to yourself when challenges arise, just to remind yourself how to show up? What do I say to myself? Um, you got this. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I think that's definitely my go-to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And our last question is simply, what are you most grateful for today? This moment. For being. Yeah. Yeah. Just being, just being, waking up, um, you know, having the life that I do, it's not perfect. It's not what, you know, we envisioned when we're young and, you know, as little girls, we have this, you know, huge idea of what we want our life to be like, but you know what, just being just happy, just content. Yeah. Oh. Well, I am so grateful for you, for our friendship, for your braveness and courage, for sharing your story and for how you continue to be in this world. So thank you, Risa, for oh, being thank here. Thank you, Christina. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to another impactful conversation here on Real Eyes, Real Lies podcast. We hope you take some time to let the wisdom of the stories that were shared here today sink in, and we welcome you to engage with us on our social channels at realize.love on Instagram, at realize.love on Facebook, and also our virtual voicemail on SpeakPipe. You can call us and let us know individuals you'd like to hear us interview or ideas for stories that you think would be impactful for others to hear. We also have links in the show notes and we invite you to go to our website, realeyes.love, where you will find an online resource hub. It is our gift to all of our listeners to provide you the resources and support in making your own ripple effects actualizing love in this world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing all that you do. And remember, be true. Be real, be you, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.